Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Super Brain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan, and today I want to excuse the sound of my voice <laughs> and probably some stuttering, etc., that will go on because I'm actually feeling a little bit under the weather. But thankfully, my guest today is Lauren White Murphy. And the last time we met, she can talk as much as I can talk. So I think I'm kind of in safe hands today. If my brain stops to work, I think Lauren might actually actually jump to the rescue and save me. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. You are in for an absolute treat. Lauren has, gosh, she's just a lesson in how to thrive in life, particularly in the arts, which can be quite a challenge, but also on how to survive. And you know what? Let's just go straight in and we're just going to do the plain old fashioned. Let's start from Lauren's childhood and work our way through her really fascinating story. So music has been a a big part of your life since you were very young. Very young. Yes. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on. Oh, you're very I, welcome. I absolutely love the podcast. I've been listening. So, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, music was my go to since I was a child. I was known in school for it. I won all the awards. I started off in a marching band in Crumlin and it just excelled from there. I just really had such a passion for it. So you're in a marching band. So did you play the clarinet or? Yeah, I actually played the clarinet and saxophone. They're my two instruments. But my mother had me in piano lessons and everything because I actually was a very shy child. Very, very really? shy. Very shy. Even like thinking back on it now, I'm like, oh, God, I just get that knot in my stomach of how shy I was. But I think people have a misconception. I'm very chatty. I'm very sociable. But I would argue that I'm shy in that you see there's this sense that being shy is looking down and not saying I always think Lady die, you know the eyes yeah. down and then looking <laughs> up and being afraid to talk but actually sometimes it can manifest in a different way I often talk way too much and I think it's kind of covering up you're kind of afraid of gaps you're yeah. you know your stomach is kind of going and you're just kind of trying to make things okay yeah and I, I usually come out with the most useless information like you know did you know that like it takes a billion trillion steps to get to the moon you know it should be stupid stupid things just to cover that yeah yeah I have that I always envied people who in fact I worked with someone <laughs> and I always envied him you could be in the pub after work and he would just come over join whatever group you were with and go hi and then just stand there oh. and listen to the conversation you know yeah. and like people would have thought, oh, you're real confident and he's real shy. Mm. I would never have had the confidence to do that, to just go over to a group, join it and expect everyone to just say, yeah, that's OK, without contributing anything. Yeah, well, I got older, I kind of would have done that. I, I put that aside, you know. Yes, we'll hear more about that <laughs> later because your tenacity I want to talk about. So you started off in a marching band and you played 
clarinet. Saxophone and clarinet. Yeah. And then you moved because you played multiple instruments. So you mentioned piano there. Yeah, my whole childhood, just stay in, learn instruments. I was just fascinated. I honestly thought that I was going to be the next Bono. Right. Like I really did. But in a sense where I didn't want the big fame or I didn't like all the attention. I liked working in the background and yeah. I liked working with a team. That's why I loved being in a marching band. I loved being in orchestras in school and things like that. When did you discover that you had a voice? Because part of my research, oh, I love doing, I'm a, <laughs> we did an episode the week before last where we tried something out where I wouldn't do any research <laughs> and then discovered I missed a huge thing that I had in common with my guest. Uh, she actually played me in a play. Like, can you imagine? No way. You, know, you missed that opportunity to talk about that. It was oh. about marriage equality. And there was a book that, a day in May. And when I was actually just putting the episode up, because we said, oh, let's do a wing it because she does stand up comedy and I said well let me try and do it kind of yeah, from this yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. and it was only when I was doing her bio and I said she was in a day in May and then I messaged her and she came back and I said who did you play and I went that was me <laughs> <laughs> so I will never not do my research again but right. actually doing research on you was just such a treat I wasn't sleeping the other night actually because as I mentioned earlier not feeling well and I took the opportunity to look at your SoundCloud and have a listen oh my god you have the sweetest voice thank you absolutely (laughs) oh my god it just because I was quite stressed but it just enveloped me you really beautiful voice and I didn't know now whether those songs are on your SoundCloud did you write those songs they're They're mine yes yes I think I sang on two of the tracks and then I had some a demo singer for the big belty song yeah that's not me yeah that's not me but I write like that yeah you kind of I was interested in how you kind of described them I think one you had called pop but I think you had one folksy pop or something like the chorus yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have them to thank because they are still my favorite band. And they're the reason that I got into writing music. Wow. So like I was in school and I started, like, I was in transition year and we did like a songwriting course wow. for a day. And my song got chosen and had to perform it in front of the whole school. And coming from like this shy person, I think I was just 15, 16, I was like, okay, this is happening. They're saying I'm good at this. So let's yeah. give it a go. So I don't do anything in half measures. So I just <laughs> did my research and I actually just, I went into RTE and I was pitching songs there for, I think the TV show was Eurostar at the time. Wow. Was that like straight after? Were you just a teen when you did this? Oh, yeah. I, I wrote my first song actually was given to Belfire. I don't know if you remember them. I do. Yes. I worked with one of the sisters. I think was it was it? sisters. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Did, There's um, another connection. I love it. One of them worked, became a psychologist and I worked oh, with her. That's Lovely fantastic. girl. Yeah. Oh yeah. My I, did, I wrote a song for them. And then people in RT got in contact with me. Um, Niall Mooney was one of them. He's done a lot of songwriting for Ireland for different oh. stuff. We have been writing partners since I was a teen Um, and we did so many Eurovisions together for Ireland, for uh, Malta. I went off and did stuff for Azerbaijan and Denmark and different countries. Oh, my God. So can people find these songs to listen to? Well, so I can definitely put them up, but publishing and my publisher at the time, they were like, no, because I used to have everything online. And they're like, you can't, because what I do is I used to take the songs that I have and I would reinvent them. So that song that you'd listen to the other night, just say, yeah. it's probably about six different songs. And you wouldn't okay. be able to tell the difference. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. 
And I've kind of stepped away from the songwriting just because of the MS. And we'll talk more about that because yeah. it did affect it, unfortunately. But I just want to let you know, I did get picked for this year's Junior Eurovision. Did you? <laughs> yes, just for the kids. It's a song that we wrote, I'd say about five years ago, myself and Niall. I think we got through there last year and the year before. So I just take like you're just this powerhouse. Yeah. I, I just so this shy girl, and you just had this tenacity. Was it that you just didn't think about it? Do you think, or like when you say I went indoor to eat, mm. like did you just like show up, land up? No, I did my research of who's who. who right, okay. Who will talk to me? How will I get in there and not be an upcase? You know. Yeah. I had to have the proof, proof and that you could write. Yeah, yeah. That I could do. And this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually work in RTE. That right. was my thing. I wanted to just be around media, TV, radio, music, acting. Yeah, I get you. No, I was that. the same. I always wanted to just, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I never knew which part I actually fit in, if you get me. Yeah. So I felt like I had to work really, really hard with the music. And I right. think when I got the MS then... Yeah, that's when I was like, okay, I actually did really have to work hard because when I got diagnosed in April 2018, we can jump back to that, though. Everything just it's like it just fell out of my head. Right. Um, I couldn't even hold my instrument properly. It just felt so foreign to me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, leading up into that. That's what I did for, what, 15 years of my life. I know, but like you're just talking RTE, but you actually you moved to the US. Oh yeah, I moved to the US. But now you became a ghostwriter. Yeah, that was well. by chance. Was it? Tell me how that happened, and explain to people what being a ghostwriter is. Okay, so ghostwriting is usually generally for writing books. Okay. Yes. So how I got into it was it's like a risk. Okay, I was with Warner Brothers Publishing, and I got connections and whatever. They would send me a song. And they would have writers on it and they can't come up with a good hook. They can't come up with a good verse, etc. Do your magic on that. Okay. I do my magic on that. Send it back. They like it. They're like, do you want a credit on it? Or would you like the money? Me at 21, 22. I want the few bob. Like I said, I never wanted to be that famous thing. Like if I did have anything like that, I would have wanted to be in the background. I always yeah. felt, felt like I was the gym core. <laughs> um, but I just like I knew that I wanted to create something forever in music uh-huh. so I didn't care if I got the credit or not because I did knew you know and no. can I ask you so when they said do you want the credit or to be paid as a ghostwriter was there no option for you to get credit and royalties yes but the risk was huge and I was told that ah. so I had somebody in my ears be like no it's going to be a flop take the money and were ever any of them big hits? I don't <laughs> Kills me to say. Not hits, but I mean, they did well on TV shows or things. You know, I, I got the satisfaction that I was looking for. Yeah. And I, I'm the person as well that gets bored very easily. So right. I like to jump on to the next thing. And next yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got songs in front of Rihanna, Katy Perry and stuff. Wow. And I thought, I was like, I'm so close to it. I'm so close to it. I'm going to get the credit on these big ones. Yeah. And then that'll be it but it didn't work out. Right, okay. And that's fine. That's fine. But you did get, I mean, in my research, one of your songs was on the disc for American Horror Show. The American Horror Story. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually brilliant because in Beverly Hills at the time, they had like a little pop-up museum. It was a freak show. It was the freak show season I did. And they had a pop-up 
and my music was playing through Beverly <gasps> Hills. And I had no clue. It was actually one of my friends that said, uh, did you write this? And then I went down and I heard it and it was just unbelievable. And even it was playing on FX on American television when they were doing the trailer for the show. And I was just like, oh, geez, that's my song. Yay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is just amazing. You know, that's amazing. I always felt, especially when I moved to America, I had to keep my feet on the ground. I had to stay humble, you know. Yeah. Mommy would be very, very disappointed if I turned into, you know, somebody that I'm, I'm not. And oh, well, I can't see you turning into anything you're not. When we met, I just felt like I knew you forever. Yeah, it's an instant connection. Yeah. And we've never actually never met in person. So I should explain to people you've alluded to it here. I do a lot of work with the Multiple Sclerosis Association of Ireland and indeed sort of internationally. I'm very interested in supporting people with conditions that affect the brain. And I, I'm very passionate about it because it just anything to do with neurological conditions just seems to fall through the cracks. There aren't the supports for people. There aren't the treatments they should have. And that's mainly because, and I'm on a little rant here, folks, but there's no harm in that. That's mainly because medical care systems were set up before we had any real knowledge of the role that the brain has in various conditions. So we have physical health is looked after, blindness is looked Mm -hmm. after, mental health in later years is looked after. But even things like dementia, if you think about it, you were just considered crazy and you were put in a bedlam. And in fact, actually, probably for a lot of neurological conditions, similar things happened because the brain affects you in such strange ways. So not just in Ireland, across the globe, really neurological conditions absolutely fall through the cracks. They're not mentioned specifically in health plans. And therefore, that means they don't get the resources that they need. And I mean, particularly neurologists are um, there's just not enough of them. And so there's huge waiting lists. And then there's also really what I'd call we call it a postcode lottery within countries, but with multiple sclerosis across countries, there's a dreadful disparity in that medical treatment has progressed immensely in the last few years for multiple sclerosis, which is a degenerative disease, which had dreadful prognosis for people. Really, you gradually lost mobility and and wheelchairs were kind of quite common. The medication has just it's been phenomenal and it's changed people's lives. But I spoke at the Young MS conference just the year before COVID, so 2019 in Lithuania, I think it was. And I was just horrified to see so many young people in chairs and disabled basically because their country doesn't have the funding doesn't have access to the and the funding for the treatment and like one of the girls she had gone over for one trip to Germany and the difference it had made to her life was phenomenal and actually the treatment was only 500 euro but that was just beyond what was available in our country. Anyway, that's my little rant, folks. But do educate yourself around that because we need more voices of people behind us to say that neurological conditions need proper supports across all aspects. That's interesting to say there, Sabina. Sorry to interrupt there, but... Yeah, no, go ahead. It's like me. I'm back from America two years now this month and I'm still on a waiting list are you to get my yeah to get an MRI just to get on the same page over here as I wear in the US you know MS Ireland have been fantastic like they have really helped me in every way and they will put me in the right direction as have you I think when we spoke in May for the MS Awareness Day I don't actually think everything sunk in all the neurological 
diseases and how tough it is for everybody. I remember saying on, I think we were on Ireland AM. We were on Ireland AM. Yeah. yeah, Sorry, just to track back folks. So basically, yeah, sort of every year there's a MS Awareness Day and MS Awareness Month. It's kind of in In, May is the day and various TV shows and radio shows are great. Ireland AM have been very good. I've been on a couple of years in a row and literally usually there's what they call a patient advocate. So it's basically somebody to give a face to MS and tell their story. So this year it was you, Lauren, and you do have a very fascinating story which we'll come to <laughs> and to I'm an MS ambassador I do have to say that I am an MS I'm very proud of that because I do yes and you're a very good MS ambassador you know thank you because I do think it's sometimes when the word patient is used people think of someone who's in bed yes. sick and helpless and you're far from that although you can be taken to bed yes I do I have the bad days you know and Sabina, that's something I really struggle with, even up until last week, like my mother had to sit me down and say, listen, you need to talk to us because I know from my experience, we keep everything to ourselves. I feel like a burden or I have felt Uh, like a burden, you know, and I was always go, 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 you know, the tenacity is there. And I'm just not that person anymore, even though I try. Well, I think in a way, and I'm not speaking for you, but yeah. I think you are. But I think this is quite common with MS and indeed even conditions, say autoimmune conditions as well, or people who have something that's chronic. There's a sense of when the days are good, you got to make the most of them yeah. and do loads, particularly oh, for yeah. someone who are always doing loads. And it's totally understandable. But it does backfire because then what happens is you kind of have a bit of a relapse or you need to kind of recover. Mm-hmm. And it's about finding that balance. Balance. That's it. Balance. Yeah, I key. should say, you know, we've had to cancel a couple of times. We mm-hmm. were meant to kind of record because you were simply just really not well. But prior to that, you'd been off oh. back in L.A. <laughs> OK, OK, folks. Right. Sorry. We need to fill them in on the proper story. So you're in L.A. And what started to go amiss? What did you notice first? So I thought I was just getting older. I wasn't. I was in my mid 20s for heaven's sake. <laughs> so my balance was the first thing. And then I never had any problems with my eyesight, but I started to lose sight in my left eye. Then I was just getting numbing pain. All It actually affected the left side of my body first. Can you just describe that? Because numbing pain numbing. sounds like a misnomer. So okay. you couldn't feel, but yet it was pain. or Couldn't feel anything. I would pick something up. And fall actually I probably wouldn't even be able to grasp it yeah and then it was just this piercing pain all the way through okay I ignored it I put everything under the carpet I'd be fine I'm getting old it's LA it's done <laughs> I'm from Ireland I'm not used to this weather you know that's what I thought it was but your eyesight yeah never had so did you just think you maybe needed glasses oh yeah no I went to an optician's and got the whole test done and they were like hmm okay there's a term optic neuritis. Yes, yes. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right. Neuritis just means inflammation and neuro means nerve. And so optic is eye. So it's basically just a, an inflammation of the nerve behind the eye. The eye. Yeah, didn't think anything. No, just, it. and I don't mean just, it's a very painful thing. It's painful and I couldn't see and I was, I just didn't know what was going on. And then the falling started. So You asked me before about my business mind of things. Yeah. Right. So I actually just wanted to meet people. And I ran a few restaurants in Beverly Hills and Hollywood (laughs) and Burbank. And that's how I got my business mind. But I noticed it started to affect my daily life and work. How? In what way? 
So I was a general manager of a really successful restaurant and my legs would just give way and I would fall. I was dropping things and then it was just pain. It actually, the very first pain I can remember, it started in my foot, in my left foot. Right. And I couldn't put any pressure on it. And I was trying to think back. Did I I twist it? Did I kick something? Yeah. There was nothing. I just did not know what it was. So then I think I had a chat with my mom on on FaceTime and she's like, you're going to have to go to the doctor. You have to stop doing this because... I was 16. I was diagnosed with oh, diagnosed with this, that, and the other, with yeah. uh, celiac disease. And I just thought it was that. And I thought maybe, you know, moving to America, different food. I'm not used to it. I was just putting excuses for everything. Yeah. So celiac disease is really, you can't process gluten. Gluten, yes. Which is in a lot of food. Yeah. yeah so I was really strict with that, you know. Um, so things like that. Then my speech started to act up. And right. at that time... I decided, hey, I'm going to try the acting thing too. Right. And I had, I'd done a bit of acting in Ireland before I left. Jack of all trades. And, um, it's creative. It's, it's creative. It's creative, yeah, yeah. And um, I started to get successful doing little bits here and there. I did NCIS, did an episode of that. So NCIS is? The, it's that law programme, you know, the... Crime in something or Some other investigation. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I must look it up. NCIS. I do know, but I don't know what it's. I have for. never watched anything I've been in. That's that. <laughs> have you not? No, no, because I can't stand myself. But that's probably though <laughs> when I was learning lines and stuff. I used to be brilliant at retaining information, but yeah. it started to affect my auditions, and yeah. I knew myself. Look, do I want to do this? Do, would I want to be successful and have people talk about my speech or about? This is wrong or that's wrong. But I did didn't it, feel comfortable. What did people say when your legs started collapsing or? You're Irish. Are you drinking? Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say, really. And I never really drank, honestly. I, I Like years ago, obviously, when we were younger, I had yeah. to drink, but I was never fond of the drink or anything like that. So started to go and take it serious, went to the doctors. Sabine took about four years yeah. of numerous tests MRIs spinal tap blood this that and the amount of wrong diagnosis that I got I, I think lupus was one of them rheumatoid arthritis yeah you know I don't know if they're all autoimmune maybe they are autoimmune yes. yeah oh. yeah and the thing is multiple sclerosis is autoimmune in that autoimmune just means your immune system attacks itself and in particular so I have Sjogren's. And so my autoimmune system attacks the moisture glands in my body, where the endocrine system in multiple sclerosis, it attacks the myelin okay. sheets. So in your brain, your brain communicates by electrical and chemical signals and literally transmits information from one brain cell to another or from one brain cell to the cells in the rest of your body in your periphery. So in your arms and your legs mm-hmm. and a bit like electricity in your house, it's prone to crossing over of signals. Yeah. So like the cables in your house, you have to have rubber around the electric. And so the brain makes these myelin sheets. So they're the white matter in your brain. The cells are the gray matter. And basically they make sure that the signals don't get interrupted. They don't cross talk with each yeah. other. And they also help the speed that the signals travel with. So with MS, the body attacks that white matter and that's why things go wrong. So the message doesn't get to your legs or it gets Mm -hmm. crossed and you actually fall similarly with your speech and and that sort of thing. But also MS is also considered a degenerative neurological condition as well because it affects the brain and because it can 
progress. There are a couple of types of MS. There's yeah. relapsing and remitting, as the name sort of suggests, and then there's secondary progressive. Yes. So you have relapsing and remit. remitting. Yes, I do. Yeah. I feel like I do very, very well most weeks and then something will just kick off and I'm just out for the count, you know? Yeah. I think as well, like I said, when we were chatting a long time ago, when I was in L.A., I did not have the support yeah. that I needed. And for anyone going through this or anything neurologically or immune system or anything at all, you need to have your support. Oh, it's there. critical. Were you living alone? I actually was married. I was oh, married. Really? I was. That's, I so was when in... did you get married? Oh, my goodness. We missed that bit. Oh, <laughs> I got married um, in 2016 and I just got divorced. So okay. <laughs> that's one of the reasons you went back to L.A. Yeah, I needed to sort some things out. But thinking about everything, I think I just found a person that just wasn't able to take care of me. I suppose oh. they had to take care of themselves, you know, just right. didn't work. So you got diagnosed after you got married after I got married and okay. then it all went cool <laughs> did it yeah did it just wasn't yeah. able to give you the no. support I presume your partner was also young very young yeah younger than me actually yeah all oh, right okay okay but, um since then though I've met somebody and oh. I just oh yeah oh I'm engaged again darling oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the ring is inside yeah I know I I, I move quick romantic you know? I know you know and I have great support it was very, very difficult for my mom because when she first found out, she just knew somebody that passed away from MS. OK, so she even said to me there a few weeks ago, you know, it took me a long time, Lauren, to really come to terms with this. And because as well, I just put a brave face on yeah. a lot of the time because it is mind over matter. I love my brain. I yeah. love everything. I just love my brain. And I you want are to, your brain. You are. Your brain and your soul, you know, and yeah, yeah. I just then had to say, look, when I need help, I just have to go out and say it. I can't live this lie of, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, because yeah. it won't. Nothing will ever go right. The thing with MS is the symptoms can be quite far reaching. And actually, some of the most challenging ones, as you kind of alluded to there, are around brain fog. Oh, you know, yeah. when your brain just isn't working properly, but also fatigue where you can do nothing. I hate that. I hate that. And I feel so guilty. I feel like a burden, like I said, because even with my partner on, on their days off, I want to be out doing things and, you know, I want to yeah. enjoy life. But no, I'm stuck in a bed and yeah. emotional and crying. But I've nothing to actually cry about. Well, except that you can't do what you want. Do you know, I mean, I think that's something to cry about. I think that's OK. I'm, I mean, I do think I hear it a lot across people is that is what I mentioned earlier, that challenge of not taking too much advantage of the days where you feel brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that applies across a lot of conditions. I remember actually speaking to Patrick Crane and him talking about kind of feeling depressed. And I was sort of saying, well, look, you know, I don't have MS or anything like that, but I definitely have cycles. And my father had manic depression and mm -hmm. that goes in cycles. But I have periods where I can just work, 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 be creative. Yeah. Everything flows, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm just done. Boom. You hit a wall. And and I'm bump, I'm gone. I hit a wall. Yeah. And that's kind of my pattern as well. And I remember sort of saying it to Patrick Crane on that particular episode. And he said, 
oh, actually, maybe that's what just happens to me. And he was calling it being depressed. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe for some of us, that's the way it is. But I do think I suppose when you've got something like MS, where it is neurodegenerative, where if you actually do take more care of yourself, Mm -hmm. you can limit the progression and the, oh. and the damage that your disease can be causing and also the functional impact. Because at yeah. the end of the day, it's the functional impact that matters. The thing that's stopping you functioning, doing what you yeah. want to do. And it's important as well, though, to eat right, you know, yes. every, balance and everything. Eat right, get exercise, laugh, actually. Yeah, laugh. that's my favorite one is the I laugh. Love and- laughing. It's funny, like things have progressed, like we really are still just learning about the brain and probably that person that your mum was talking about who died with MS. I mean, initially people with MS were just told to take bed rest, oh, God. you know, and that actually just progresses the disease. Now people are told to take exercise, yep. you know, that they must exercise no matter how challenging or difficult it is. Even if it's a stroll, a five minute stroll, yeah. just to clear your head out in the lovely Irish weather. <laughs> <laughs> at the moment though it's really nice when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, So you eventually then got this diagnosis of MS when you were in L.A. Yes. And... You took to your room in a way. I had a moment. Yeah. And my ex-partner was working all the time. It just sucked. We won't even get into that. I was on my own and I decided I need to do something. I need to do something. And painting just clicked in my brain. You need to go to the art shop and get yourself some paints and let's see what we can do. So I used it as a therapy initially. Then I was like, oh, God, I can actually draw a straight line. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I just, that's what I did for 18 hours a day because I wasn't sleeping really. And then I was getting a bit better. I heard that Selma Blair came out and told everyone she had MS. So I said, ah, sure, I'll get a piece to her. I just wanted to do it to make myself feel better and just to give something to somebody that I know we're going through the same same sort of thing. So we had a little lovely exchange and, you know. On social media, was it? Social media, it was on Instagram, actually. Yeah, it's in social media. And I give out about it a lot. It can be a cesspit, for want of a better word, a lot of the time. But it can also, amazing things can happen. People can connect with other people in a really meaningful way. I had emailed her manager and just gave a little background. I kind of do that first. So I'm not just any old Joe. So yeah. That's messaging you some crap, you know what I mean? And I got a piece to her and it's in her home. And, you know, knowing that 
that just makes me happy. Yeah. And then I got involved with the MS Society of California and they had like an auction night to raise money. And I did the walk and everything. It was very emotional. It was my first thing. And I donated a piece and it auctioned for over 10 and a half grand. Oh my goodness. How did that make you feel? <laughs> oh, Jeannie. I, I was like, okay, now we have to go. This is what we have to do. This is yeah. it. Painting is it. It's making people happy. It was making me delighted, you know, something yeah, that yeah. I created up in, in my apartment. And then somebody has bought it for over 10 and a half grand. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And that's why I always donate pieces to charities and stuff. I did one there for the coom, the premature baby unit, because I yes. was a premature baby. Were I, you? I was. I was born 28 weeks. So you did it for the neonatal intensive care unit or the premature babies unit? Yeah. yeah, the premature babies unit. Yeah. So I was there. I was three months early, but born at one pound, nine ounces. Wow. So I feel like I came into the world at a bang and, you know, I only keep giving a bang what, whatever I do, you know. So that's why, like, I love donating pieces to any organizations close to my heart and if anyone's listening, they can contact me because I've <laughs> inundated. Yeah, Your work good. is absolutely incredible. And you currently actually have an exhibition. I do, yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So I have an exhibition going on in the IFSC Custom House Plaza in Dublin 1. And it's a beautiful atrium there. It's just glass, walls, overhead. The lighting is just fantastic. And with my vibrant big huge paintings and I, I actually use diamond dust and gold I'm just real luxurious you know the Beverly Hills thing to me you know the glitzy glitzy, <laughs> the glitzy. Yeah. everyone needs a bit of glitz and glam in their life and just when the light shines in it's just beautiful it catches them and you know what it's been really successful I've sold seven so wow far. yeah and I'm only there two weeks that's brilliant yeah thank that's you brilliant much. I had intended to get in but unfortunately we're isolating in our house because my husband has oh, COVID so. yeah no problem um, but I will definitely get in because it's running till 2022 isn't it 2022 I also I don't know if it's appropriate now but I want to give you something because you've been very inspiring to me because I know that you have acted yes <laughs> and that you have gone and done your neuroscience and everything but I did a painting and I want to give it to you. Oh, my God. And this is it. Oh, my God. I it's, love it. It's called the Roosevelt Lady. So I painted my version of a lady by the Roosevelt Pool in Hollywood. Oh, my God. So I love it. It's just a thank you because, you know. Oh, that's terrible. You really don't have to do that. But I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely accepting it. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you've just been very good and very inspirational. And oh. I just want to let you know that I'm really, really grateful. You've been very helpful to me. And oh, you are just such a sweet. I, I love it. I've just bought a new house. Oh, well, well there you go. go through and it's by the water. I have to be by the water. So do I. <laughs> I have to be by the water. Oh. Um, I've also gained. Well, I'm not going to say how much I've gained <laughs> and I'm dying to get back. So I will use that as my inspiration. That's your house warm and present there. That's, now, oh, that's... my God. Well, you will have to come down and visit me because it to. is a fabulous place. Were you into water sports when you're in L.A.? I surf. I can surf. Oh, yeah. OK, well, there's no waves on the lake. But there is, it's on a lake and definitely. We got it. We got now, it. But I'm terrified. I'm having nightmares every night that the sale is not going to go you through will. because it's just my dream place. 
manifest good thoughts. You've just completely blown me away now. I'm absolutely, oh my God. Anyway, so this urge to paint and guys, you have to check it out. I'll put some links on the blog for this episode because your paintings are amazing. You'll find, Lauren, and it's funny, when I was talking to my editor about when, you know, you have to plan the whole season out and what date so-and-so going on and when are we recording? And I was just calling you Lolo Pop Art. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone calls me Lolo. That's my Do nickname. Do they really? My brother, there's like 13 years between us. He could never say my name when he was a kid. So he used to call me Lolo and it just stuck. And then right. the name just came. I was like, Lolo Pop. So all my closest yeah. people are like, ah, Lollipop, Lollipop, you know, and it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a great name. So you will find you, if you go on Instagram, it's probably the best place to see lots of your work. Lollipop yeah. Art or Lollipop World? Now, I changed it? it to Lollipop World because... I know, tell us. <laughs> I was thinking about this and I'm very excited. No, there's a few things. So like I'm designing apparel, okay? Oh, wow. Apparel, clothes to you and I. <laughs> clothing, clothing, nice, lovely clothing. I'm going to kind of do a few different things. And then my website will be Lolo Pop World World. as well. Because we're just in a Lolo Pop world. That's my little... that's it. I love watching fashion shows. I love watching interior design shows. That's like my creative kind of spirit. I'm so excited about... I already have done a 3D model of the new house and what's going where. But there's a fashion design show on Netflix. Oh, it's with the blonde model... um, Heidi Klum. It had been going for years, but then they switched over and now it is a Netflix show. And it's basically instead of just people from the general public doing the design, they have designers doing it. So they're kind of maybe younger or smaller designers or whatever. But one of them that I think she came second, I thought she should have won, but she was actually quite the counterpoint to you. But I loved her designs. She was from Berlin and her world. I, I can't remember. I think it was Bridget's world or something like that. But everything was black. Oh, just everything was black. <laughs> Just everything. But her design, oh, it was magnificent stuff, but it's quite the opposite of you. But the yeah. color is amazing. Like, what's your process? You have so many pieces of art for and somebody who's not painting very long. So you're like really prolific. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Jesus. Um, no, you're not. I should say, um, I will share a video clip for this, but Lauren actually is in a sling and a cast. You broke your elbow. Oh, gee. So is it I your ha- elbow you broke? So I actually fractured my elbow. Oh. Oh. This is from MS Falls. We call them MS Falls because Lauren can't get up and down the stairs properly every day. So yeah, I went to the hospital there this morning and yesterday. And now they're saying I have even tendon damage and nerve damage. So I can't use it at all. I can't use my arm at all for four weeks. So So no painting. Can you paint with your left hand? Oh, I paint. Yeah, I use both hands and I paint. That's the other thing with MS. So I have to go back to this phenomena, really. And I'm going to do a booster shot on Thursday, especially about this. Okay. So I won't go into too much detail, but we've heard of autistic savants, right? So that would be Rain Man. Mm-hmm. Or it's a classic film. I'm sure most people know about it, but it's generally almost this obsessive ability to count numbers or know the streets of cities or the mm-hmm. directions or the words to novels or whatever. So usually that's called kind of a congenital savant syndrome. So about 50 percent of cases of savant syndrome. So it means being, I suppose, a genius in a way, but it usually refers to someone who either has autism or an intellectual disability. And then suddenly they have this incredible ability. And it's usually around mathematics, art, music, 
or else just this obsessive ability to remember numbers or do complex numbers, even if they mightn't be able to do sums, they might be able to tell you the prime number of every prime number. Just a really weird phenomenon. So are you saying I am a genius? (laughs) <laughs> well, I, what I'm tr- what I am going to move on to say is one other instance it can happen is as a consequence of a brain injury or a neurological disease or condition. Mm-hmm. And we also come across in Alzheimer's disease that some individuals suddenly develop artistic skills that they never had. So it, I'm not saying that this is necessarily the case with you, but it is very interesting because you never painted before. Never. And you are an exceptional painter and your art is exceptional and stunning. And I'm actually seeing now I'm no art critic, but I'm kind of seeing a progress in your art. Oh, absolutely. Initially, your art, a lot of it is really very much is pop art. So you do things like Wonder Woman or Jersey Shore people or I did them because I was watching TV I was watching reruns of uh, all these reality shows and I said that would be the easiest people to get the art to and they'll post about it you know yeah that's, yeah, that's, yeah was my that's mind. your business that's the business, business mind, brain yeah you know? that's your business and it's really brain. funny because I actually speak to a couple of them from it I've made friends yeah I have not met yet you know and that are celebrities or whatever yeah but we've remained in contact and I'm doing that with art like how it connects people oh it's just incredible and people are amazed when there is a piece of art about them it's kind of a funny feeling you know but I've seen actually really just and I think you have one of or two of them in your exhibition you've started to move more into your MS brain and head I think a little bit now I don't correct me if I'm wrong but there's one that's amazing at the moment and I saw on Instagram that a lot of people loved it and it's the one of the brain and I'm always talking about have you ever looked at it have you ever looked at a brain bow online no oh god you have to look at brain bows oh my brain god bow? forget Geordie Shore as <laughs> oh brain you have to I let write that down yeah so Google Brainbow. Okay. And basically what it is, is everyone listening can Google it as well. So basically it's a particular dying procedure where scientists dye different neurons, different colors. I just, I'm going to show this little image. The colors are your art colors. Yes, yes. It's that real vibrant, real vibrant colors. And these are brain cells and brain connections. And when I give my talks, I say, forget about this beige crinkly mass that you think of when you think of the brain. This is what you need to think of when you think of your brain. You've got 86 billion neurons, trillions of connections. It is the most vibrant organ on the planet. I'm dying to see the inspiration coming from those. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah, incredible images, aren't they? Oh, my God. They actually I've actually hair standing up on my arms. But like you can see the artwork behind me kind of, you know, and that's the joker for a film. Oh, I see it. I see it. I see it. So I do use all those colors, but you do. The majority of my art is gone. It's in town. <laughs> yeah. And guys, you just got to go in and see it. It's fabulous. And I've only ever seen it online because of Thank lockdown. You. So yeah, I'm yeah. dying to see it in person because these are big pieces of art. Oh, yeah. I, the bigger, the better. Yeah, no, fabulous. And the color is just so joyous to see. And for me, it's always reminded me of the brain, you know. That's fantastic. Um, because I always think of the brain as these neurons. Another thing to look up is diffusion tensor imaging. And that also shows the tracking of messages being sent around the brain. Wow. And actually, that's what I saw in this new painting you have 
of the brain. You can see what I mean. It's I like do you've done know. it's like you've done a brain bow, but in a broad stroke, as if it was kind of just it's the, the, the face, isn't it? That's yeah. Yeah. So that was actually during an MS flare. So right. I, I'm actually starting to think that my most popular pieces are generally when I'm having an MS flare. Okay. And that's interesting to me I think it's interesting I think it's fascinating I think when you do get your appointment to see a neurologist I think you should talk to them about it I think they'd find it interesting I think there's people do research in this area like it's interesting is it that see a lot of us you know our frontal lobes do a lot of inhibiting of our behaviors Mm -hmm. and that's kind of good in the most part it inhibits us you know prevents us from taking unnecessary risks and things like that and some of us I would be very rule governed in that way you know my Mm -hmm. frontal lobes would actually in a lot of instances they'd be checking on me to make sure is that a wise thing to do should I do it Mm -hmm. and then in other instances I could be very relaxed and just kind of go for it but what's interesting is is that do some neurological conditions unlock something allow the creativity that's perhaps there in everybody yeah I believe to be unleashed I definitely think there's something like that and that's one of the reasons in a way we connected as I said literally over that interview but I was fascinated by what had happened to you obviously you were always creative Mm. but I was also that was going to be one of my questions to you and you sort of answered it was that you feel you lost some of your is it that you've lost some of your musical creativity or your language for writing? Because you did lyrics and music. Yeah, I did everything. Yeah, of course. Why? Well, like you <laughs> did not do everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound like that, but no, I did. No, I no, did. no, I get it. It's funny. It's a little bit of a control thing. And yet you love being part of a... A team. A team. I uh, love yeah. it, yeah. yeah. But you uh, see, you're, you're a Gemini, aren't you? I am, yes. yeah. I'm a Gemini too, there so I get go. that. There's yes. some things that I loved acting because it was part of a team and you yeah. all create the thing together. Yeah. But then there's other things where you know what, I really just can't trust other people because they just won't do it bloody properly. They won't do it the way I do it. (laughs) They just won't do it the way I do it. And it won't be good enough. And, you know, you take too much on. And that's why we mentioned Emily is my editor on the show. And like, it's rare for me to have someone that I feel I can trust. Like there's just a few people where I go, I trust you because they just show themselves that they can be trusted. It sounds awful, but it's that funny, isn't it? You know, I love collaborating. You know, I love that. I think... Working with people for ideas, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I think then it's the execution of the ideas sometimes where other people fall down. Yes. But I love bouncing off other people. I love that. I absolutely love it. And that's why I think life is about. We're not here living on our own. Do you know what I mean? We're not on this planet individually on our own. We're not. So are you back living with your mom at the moment or with your fiance? My fiance. We actually just sold our house. So, yes, we're moving in back with Mammy for a while. Right. Um, we're moving in with her mother. So just to save and hopefully get our house by the water. <laughs> I need to be by the water. I have to be by the water. I have to have. I've lived beside the water all my life and I actually literally have lived in Clontarf like pretty much since I was born. Like, you know, I'm so lovely the opposite of you. It is lovely, but I'm still so the opposite of you. I moved to Malahide for four years when I got married first and couldn't wait to get back here. And I just sort of said with lockdown and all those things, no, I now want that space. I want that water. I spend yeah. a lot of time working from home and I'm very happy in my own company doing that. Yeah, yeah. But it will be nice to look at a lake as opposed to the back of other people's houses. Oh, and I love the people God. around me, but I just feel this I need your that. Goal. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of need that. And, and I was down there during the week, the survey was being done and the man who owns it is wonderful. 
he's an 80 year old man and he's kind of moving on. And I've said to him already, you can come visit because he's created this beautiful yeah. garden and his wife passed away during COVID. But I could have stayed there all day. It just. Tranquil. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I really could have sent a message that said, you know, what, guys, I'm going to stay here till the sale is closed. Yeah, peace out. <laughs> I'm already here. Make your you know, own dinners. <laughs> yeah, I'm already here in my head. This is where yeah. I want to be, but I'm terrified, terrified. No, don't. You keep a positive manifest. That I believe in manifesting. I love the book Law of Attraction. That's another thing. Yes. You know, things yes. like that. I think it is mind over matter and what you put out. And then obviously when I have my bad days and I'm like, oh, I'm messing my energy flow up, you know. <laughs> but the next day I'm like, you know, delete it. It's gone. It's all a new day. It's, it's always a new, a new day. day. I like to think of it as manifesting. You can make things happen. You manifest yes, you your can. own future. So it's the kind of the same of it. The law of attraction that I suppose you're talking about is you attract the things that you want to you. Yes. I would kind of say your brain is so powerful that you can manifest the things yes. that you want. It's not magic. It doesn't appear from anywhere. But like it doesn't fall into your lap. You have to, no, do you have to, you have work. to work and do it. You have to work, but yeah. you have to know, you see, you have to know what it is you're working towards. Yes. You know, you kind of have to know those things. And you also have there's bits I lack now you know, the bravery and the tenacity that you have and the sheer thick neck is what we would call it in I Irish terms. I definitely Just have a thick neck. up in RTE, you know, like it's oh, brilliant. I'll be there again. <laughs> I ho- I said I'll be there again. I'll be knocking on RTE's yeah, door, you know. Absolutely. Because I'm always open to opportunities for anything at all. I'm only 33, you know, and yeah. I thought when, when I was six weeks before my 30th birthday, I got the diagnosis. I thought... This is this. It's a life sentence. My did dream. you think that? Yes, I did. Oh, I yeah. did. Because I just was not feeling right. And I was like, oh, my dreams, everything. It's gone. It's gone. But because I found art, I've made new dreams and I'm connecting people. I'm bringing happiness to communities. My family home is in Crumlin. And right. I did a mural for Crumlin United Football Club. Right. And every day I met all the locals and I had just come back from L.A. and I gave them my story and they just thought it was outstanding. And, you know, people post about it. They message me. I'm doing another mural now when this arm is better. I'm doing it in Crumlin Village of all the Dublin 12 legends, you know, so Phil Linnett, Gabriel Byrne. Oh, fabulous. Now, is that the one I I remember seeing one mural you did? I thought it was on a school wall. Is that another one you did? No, the school wall was for... Was it like uh, coloured pencils or something? Yeah, there was coloured pencils. There was all the the Marvel characters. And actually, that was for school Cronon in Rathcool, where the McGinley children... (sighs) Yeah, when you should explain a little because we have a lot Just, of listeners from the UK as well. So okay, so we had a very tragic event in Dublin a year, year, year and a half ago, yeah. and three kids were murdered by their mother. Awful circumstances. The dad Andrew, who I speak to occasionally, and I will be doing some work with him to help his charities. Yeah, she was very ill and. Yeah. I got contacted to paint something to remember them. So they wanted all of their favorite characters. So I actually spoke to their class, their classmates. Yeah. They told me every single favorite character of them. And I just did it. And those kids' faces, oh. the Moon Tory as well. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. Like, that's, yeah. I want to bring happiness. That's, I think that's what I'm here for, just to bring happiness to people. And if I can do that through art and color, I'm, I'm flying. Yeah, I think people don't understand the joy that you can get from giving. Like 
we all need money and we need money to survive. We need money, but money doesn't bring you joy directly. It's indirectly, you know, maybe what you can buy things. And in fact, things don't bring you joy. No. There's nothing. I did some work in a desk school years ago. I developed a brain health for kids program. I've never managed to get it funded, but I really think we need to tell kids from very young age how important their brain is and yeah. start looking after them. So just with my own money, I kind of developed a six week program that fitted in with the school curriculum and teaching them about the importance of physical exercise for the brain, of social engagement. And it just had little, you know, it was a little sticker book and they learned about why the particular thing was good for your brain, what it did. And then they had to do it and they had to kind of draw what they did or write about it. And it was things like the the school loved it because it had things like if you see someone in the yard who's not talking to anybody, go over and talk to them because their brain needs stimulation from other people it just gave a different angle to it as opposed to don't leave someone alone it was their brain needs to be stimulated by you talking to them especially in these times as you know like well in this school I was horrified to hear you know about people wearing stab vests and and things like that in the locality because of gang issues and a lot of the children were dealing with very challenging circumstances and maybe no electricity in the home and maybe not sleeping. But actually interesting in that was one of the things that they had to do was switch off their devices an hour before bed. And it was the only thing the kids couldn't do. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I was even saying that, though, we're probably going way off topic, but it is your brain health. The social media can be a curse. And yeah. I, I know I would not be able to go to school and have, you know, Facebook and whatever there is, what Instagram. Imagine going back in time and that all happening. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, my God. It would, I just, it wouldn't have went down well. No, none of that existed when I was little. And, and no. some of it is very good. For us, when there was no mobile phones, when there was actually house phones were really only for your parents. You had to ask permission to use yeah. a phone, you know. And you had no way of contacting someone. And that was quite lonely because if people didn't call for you, you had no friends, you had no one to talk to, you had no one to play with. And then sometimes you might go out and wander and see, and then you might see them all out together and you go, oh, why didn't they call for me? I know. And and there was different challenges. I'm not saying it was all rosy and perfect. And there was different challenges. And certainly I have some some memories like that that aren't the most pleasant, Mm -hmm. but it's nothing in a way compared to your life on social media for all the world to see. And I see it. I see it now. I go out for walks and I see, I saw three gorgeous little kids. I'd say they were about 11, you know, but they walk and buy something and immediately their reaction was the phone, the phone up and to pose in different angles. And I'm kind of going, it's just all about the image. I know. And that's huge. Oh, I don't know. And I'm not like that. I probably was at one stage, Looking back on my Instagram from years ago, I probably was a little bit like that, but times have changed so much. And I think it's just it's overuse. Is that, yeah. Would that be the term? Oh, we're overexposed to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just making it a focus and the, and the central. And, and, and I think it impacts on things like not just self-esteem, but who you think you are, because we're all editing the photos that go online. Like, um, you know, in a way, even coming here to interview you, I'm editing myself because I was in bed all morning, dying sick. I had my hair in a ponytail. I had PJs on. I looked like death. And I said, I can't go on the screen like that. You know, and why shouldn't I be able to? Do you know what I mean? But I I just couldn't. So you edit yourself and you kind of go, "Okay, yeah. 
I admire people who don't feel the desire to do that. But by the same token, underneath it, I'm a nasty little person that say, would they not have brushed their hair? Before exactly. They I know. No, I'm that nasty person that I won't say it out loud. I, I won't say it in my living room to my husband. It's an Irish thing, I think. Oh, do you think? I Does do it think. Does happen in L.A.? No, because you just have to be on the ball and gorgeous all the time. You see, the thing is, everybody, you don't make it in L.A. unless you're absolutely like stunning. Uh, And they have this generational thinness, I think. It's a joke. It's a mess that they need to just, you know, reboot that city. They need to reboot, reset and start again because it's just too much. I remember being in a movie here over, I think it was in Roger Corman Studios over in the west of Ireland and the lead actress she must have been like minus zero, tiny. And I remember saying it to one of the crew. And at the time I was quite slim. And I remember saying, like, I feel grossly, morbidly obese beside this woman because she, she is so tiny. And I know I'm in within my healthy range. Mm-hmm. And he just said it's inbred into them, you know, yeah. generations almost of them being skinny, skinny or whatever. But they're not happy. They're not happy. You oh, couldn't be. You couldn't I don't know. Be. I don't know. I just don't think so. You know, I think that's what I love. I, one of the reasons I connected with you is because you found your happiness and You've found happiness in a way that is giving other people joy and happiness. But I do have to say, though, I love your art, right? Love it. So this isn't an either or. Okay. But that voice of yours needs to be heard. Oh, my. Really? Oh, oh, oh. I know people use that term, the voice of an angel, but oh, it's so sweet. I can feel it now. I actually have the goosebumps. It just washes over you. It's beautiful. I just don't know who to that go that's after boosting me no because I really 
I don't know if it was just no confidence years ago with the whole singing. I don't know. Well, thank you so much. No, it's a wonderful talent. And folks, like, I can't remember what you're called on your SoundCloud. You don't have much on the SoundCloud. I mean... No, because I had to take it off. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, but the couple that are there, what's your SoundCloud called? I think it's Lauren, Lauren White Murphy. I think it's Lauren White Murphy. Um, yeah. You'll find it anyway. I found it quite easily Googling it. And I might even put a link to your SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, if people want it, it'll be on the blog for this episode. Thank um, you. You have been... So wonderful to talk to. I mean, I know that you've been an inspiration to people listening. You are a real survivor, but also really a thriver. I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean? You're taking, as you just said there, you thought it was the end of your life. And I say that and it is in some way it did mark an end of a life that you had imagined for yourself. But sometimes the life we imagine for ourselves isn't as good as the life we end up creating that's what I learned that's what I left definitely learned everything I thought would make me the happiest and everything you know I wished for and I I I wouldn't have been happy I don't think so I'm happy I'm so happy now I'm happy even that I'm able to talk about my experience that can be so difficult that it can give somebody else a bit of insight and a little bit of um, reassurance that everything's going to be okay yeah and don't fall into that negativity. I do have days, Sabina, where I, I'm crying down the phone to my mom, crying down to my dad. But that's me. That's my feeling. I said to my mom this morning, I cry because it's, it's nearly like a frustration. I want to go to the gym and be lifting weights and doing all of this like I used to. It's just a frustration. It's a part of me that I just had to let go. Yeah. And I'll find other ways. Like I'm swimming again, you know, things like that. You always just have to kind of, Look for alternatives. I think you're very early in your diagnosis as well. So like it's incredible for a lot of people with MS, the diagnosis is a journey. I remember meeting a girl, I think it was at that same conference in Lithuania and she was about 26 and she'd only received her diagnosis. And she just said, MS has become my whole life. All I've done is think about MS since I was diagnosed. I understand that. What I had said in my talk was, how about you allocate Tuesday afternoons to your MS thinking about day and the other six and a half days of the week to your doing other stuff and living and enjoying life and just compartmentalize it in a way. Think about the worries. And she said she just found that so helpful because she was thinking about it 24 seven. And she said, that's me. It consumes you. Yeah, I can totally imagine. And I think it's a grief. I mean, I think it's like a bereavement because Absolutely. it is taking away. And similarly with brain injuries, I talked to a guy, um, a lawyer, a couple of weeks ago on the show about concussion. And he was talking about it that way. You know, the bereavement, a loss of what you had before. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's the end of end. the world and it can open up. And it yes, opens it up new changed. doors. Yeah, it does. Open. And it's not all happy, happy. And that's what I love about you. You know, you're honest about. And I mean, that's I think in a way that's one of the problems of social media is that most people present the best bits. Yes. You know, we curate our photographs and you pick out all the best bits. And then there's the other extreme where there's the negative gang who only pick out the negatives and they just keep pointing out. And, you know, the government does this wrong and that wrong and they just focus on the negative. There is that kind of a happy medium. And we all have both. We have positives and negatives and it's about kind of trying to balance them. Just before we started recording this. And I hope you don't mind talking about it. You were saying that you get a bit nervous when it comes to talking about your diagnosis. Yes, it brings me back to a not so nice time in my life. 
and um, it's just very difficult. Sorry. No, I'm sorry now I upset you, but I... No, 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 no. It's just, it, this is it. It's the emotion. It's part of it. it. just brings me back to an awful time in my life and where I had nobody. And I, I'm so proud of myself that I went, I went through this alone. And yeah. I know my family don't like to hear that. They were always on the other end of the phone, but I went through it alone. So yeah. I do feel like, I feel so strong and that I can get through anything. But I do, when I go to talk about it with people, I get this anxiety. I was in LA there the summer and I had to drive by the hospital. I got diagnosed and I had to pull over and ring home. I was like, I'm freaking out. Yeah. And that would not be me. Yeah. It's like a post-traumatic stress thing, yeah. you know. And that's why as well, like I'm having difficulty with going to hospitals. I don't like hospitals, especially yeah. during this time. But it And especially you're vulnerable. You feel very vulnerable when you have MS. I'm not as quick to think anymore. I and people used to say I was a wordsmith. I don't know, it's yeah. not the lyric writing, you know. And I just don't feel like that anymore. And that hurts my heart, you know? Yeah, but I don't think that's permanent. Do you know? No, I, no, I, no. I don't think that's permanent. You are very early. As you said, you're still waiting on MRIs. And when you kind of get sorted and when you get a bit more balanced, maybe, and prioritize your sleep and find a way to exercise, obviously yeah. you have broken elbow and <laughs> tendon damage and all the rest. It's the medication, I think, that needs to level because in America, they just throw you on everything. I've tried all of the top MS drugs and they made right. me very very sick okay so then the last bout of drugs I'm still on and I'm doing well but I was told to up the dose without getting an MRI and that just baffles my mind you know right for saying that so I don't want to be playing around with things like yeah. that but I do notice the difference I do notice that I have to go and probably up my medication even more or change it you yeah, have to, it's a trial and error. I think it is. And over the years, I'm, I'm not an MS expert, but I have spoken to a lot of people over the years. And it does seem to be that thing of finding the right thing. But it is also a combination. Your lifestyle and your attitude will impact hugely as well. Stress also. Stress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you've just got divorced. And, <laughs> and life is all unicorns and rainbows. But I try to limit stress. I try. And if I do start to feel stress, I have people I can talk to or I just get the paintbrush out and just deal with it like that. It's having the tools. And I think you'll get better at it. And you were only diagnosed three years ago. But Mm -hmm. as you said, it took four years to get your diagnosis. And I've heard people where it's seven, ten years and that impacts on how you feel about stuff because you I, I don't know about you did you kind of feel a bit you were going mad because oh, did I what <laughs> I still feel like I'm going mad <laughs> but um it's like um you're out of reality it's nearly like you're looking down on yourself and going is this really happening to me right you know that's, yeah. that's how I feel sometimes yeah. I can't get the words to explain it I'll draw yeah. you a picture but <laughs> I can't explain it unfortunately but but I think as you said there like as you said you feel you're you, you have some language issues now it doesn't come across here now I don't know you before you had MS so I can't make that comparison and I, the best person to make that comparison is you you'll know how fluid yeah. you feel and that's a very common symptom of brain fog yeah. is that fluidity of language but the thing is that can improve so it's not necessarily that it's gone completely you can actually kind of work on it and train it again oh, yeah. like you would work on improving your guitar skills absolutely you know you can kind of start and managing stress and sleep and all that will help. But I think the interesting thing, and I do write about it in my book, is brain fog isn't, the impact of it isn't given the seriousness that it 
deserves mm. because the amount of people who say that they feel like they've lost themselves and you yeah. kind of touched on it there. You didn't know what the, I've lost a bit of me. And it's very true because we kind of are our behaviors. And if part of your behavior was that you were a brilliant wordsmith and then you can't do that, that feels there's a bit of you missing, you yeah. know, but then you didn't used to be a brilliant artist. So. Well, now look. <laughs> you know, that can pop into that space in yeah. a way as well. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, my own brain was failing me a little bit because I'm a bit under the weather. What I was talking about there is called sudden savant syndrome. I love these terms. So really savant is another word for genius. They used to use terrible terms, you know, like mental retardation. Oh, it's 50 oh, percent. Yeah. 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 But yeah. now they kind of, you know, but actually in 50 percent of cases, it's got nothing to do with that. But it does. It makes sense. You know, if something different is going on in your brain. Especially like years apart, you know, you do one thing, you're practicing doing one thing for so long, like playing music, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's just gone and then you find something else, you know? Yeah, no. And it was for me when I was reading, I was reading various interviews you did. And, you know, you described it in some of those as you just had this urge to paint. an urge. That's exactly what it's like going going to the loo. Like, honestly, it was just an (laughs) urge out of nowhere. Yeah. And then it's not like I went, oh, I'll go to the shop later on. No, I got up out of bed and left yeah. in 15 yeah. minutes to get stuff. Yeah, there is definitely, it sounds by it like there's a little bit of an obsessive component to it. You know, I get that with creativity. I don't yeah. mean that in any negative way. No, no, no. But if I get in the zone. Yeah. I'm in the zone and it's, I do nothing else. I yeah. can have this just singular focus. And I can even do that with cleaning. Do you know? Like, yeah. it's just, okay, going to do the house from top to bottom or decorating. My husband would say, we can do it a bit at a time. No, I'm going to do it all today. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I <laughs> totally you, understand that. You had a line in one interview. I think what you had said was, you go from 2% to 200%. Ah, yeah. You know, that, that's it. You're in overdrive. And then unfortunately, the batteries all run out. I mean, David, my husband used to describe me as like the Duracell buddy, you know, bunny, <laughs> the Duracell bunny. There used to be an ad where the, yeah. the, the rabbit just kept going round and round and round and round and round and then it started to slow down. And slow down. Slow over. Yeah. <laughs> For years, he's sort of been describing me like that. That's exactly what I do, you know, and then it's just all gone and I just need to lie down and recharge. And that could take anything from a couple of days to a couple of weeks. And during that period, I can feel the incredible frustration because my brain won't work. I can't even write one sentence, mm-hmm. like just not one sentence. And usually at that time, I'll get bad migraine and just everything and pains in my body and everything. But yeah, I, I can't even string a sentence together, you know, yeah. but I've never been great at making the balance work. And I suppose part of me and I could be completely wrong. Part of me sees it as if my dad had found a passion would he not have had a diagnosis that if he had a passion that he could have done, 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 done stuff and then relaxed instead yeah. of he had nothing kind of going on in his life, then he would get really depressed yeah. and, you know, then kind of come back up. I, I mean, I wonder, you know, I just think that we've too many normal behaviors and they just mean average behaviors. That's what most people engage in. But on all different behaviors, there's always going to be someone in, I don't know if you're familiar with the bell curve. So it just means any behavior, like anything to do with humans, like height, the average man will say is five foot 10. So 66% of the population are around that height, but you'll have some that are right up to seven foot and some that are four foot 10. So that's the bell curve. So for most things, 
to do with being human. 66% of the population fall within that. And then the rest of us. So if you take soccer skills, most of us will be kind of average. Some of us are really crap. And then some of us are earning 450,000 a week because you're outstanding. So that kind of applies to everything. And I think people forget that. And they feel if they're not within the normal range, for one thing, yeah. we'll say mood, that there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But is there really? Or are you just on the tail on that one? And that's not everything of who you are. You know, in other things, you'll be the top end. Yes. And then in loads of other things, you're right bang in the middle with everyone else. We I can't think. be all great at everything, you know. <laughs> exactly. But you're doing a pretty good job ah. on being great at lots of things. On that note, I love to end the podcast with asking my guest to give their tip for thriving and surviving in life I mean the whole episode has been an inspiration in that Thank regard you. do I have any tips yes um I say I've said this since day one of my diagnosis for for people that are suffering journal a diary diary write down everything even if you can't string a sentence write down words because I managed to bring three or four diaries back from L.A. and I've read through them and I've just been like, wow, okay, I understand who I am. And it actually will make you stronger when you look at where you've been, where you're going and where you continue to go. So that's all I would say. And just be healthy and be happy. My tips, be healthy and happy. It's not the end of the world. We're all going to go one day. Just (laughs) make it the best possible life you possibly can. My name is Sabina Brennan and you have been listening to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. Superbrain is a labour of love, born of a desire to empower people to use their brain to thrive in life and attain their true potential. You can now go ad free on patreon.com forward slash superbrain for the price of a coffee. Please help me reach as many people as possible by sharing this episode. Imagine if we could get to a million downloads by word of mouth alone. I believe it is possible. I believe that great things happen when lots of people do little things. Visit sabinabrennan.ie for the Super Brain blog with full transcripts, links and the like. Follow me on Instagram at Sabina Brennan and on Twitter at Sabina underscore Brennan. Tune in on Thursday for another booster shot from me and on Monday for another fascinating interview interview with an inspiring guest. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.